Well, thank you, everybody, for um, all the effort and energy put into this uh, 30 years celebration today. So right now, we're going live into all our campuses. So we want to welcome in Church Unlimited up in Whangarei, uh, uh, Kaitaia, the city, uh, and Rotorua as well. Have I missed someone? Huh? City, and the city as well. Let's give them a welcome in, shall we? Sydney. Oh, Sydney. Sorry about Sydney. We remember you too, all right? <clears throat> a little bit stressful at the moment, so we'll be all right. We'll get there. Okay. Can I just uh, introduce this by um, saying a few words of just, um, you know, I arrived this morning and first thing in my vestry, there's flowers, there's fruit, there's special towels and heat has been put on. I thought that sums up Church Unlimited just the care and the love that we have received over so many years in this place. And I want to thank you all for joining with us in 30 years of celebration. And I want to especially acknowledge, uh, Adrian, I want to acknowledge those of you who have been with us 30 years, some of you have been with us 20 years plus, others have been with us 10 years plus, you know, it's, uh, and, and all of you as well today coming here this morning, it's, uh, it's been a joint effort. And really we're sharing our journey uh, because without you, it would never have been possible at all for us to accomplish what has been accomplished all across the campuses. We thank everybody for your involvement, your continued involvement in what God has done and will continue to do over the coming years. And um, I also just want to, uh, obviously, for a moment, just give thanks to God because without Him, uh, nothing is possible. We, we could, I just can't believe we've made it through the 30 years and uh, so I just say, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. Just going to hand it over to Adrian to share some thoughts for a few minutes. Don't believe everything she says. Right. Well, thank you all for coming. And um, there would be no Church Unlimited if it wasn't for you. And thank you, Kathy and Steve, for your kind words. I'm sitting here thinking, who are these people that they're talking about? Um, and thank you for your gifts. Um, Keith, I just have to say that um, the clubs won't make any difference, I'm afraid. <laughs> because um, every, every week, I am told that the problem is the course. <laughs> there is something seriously wrong. It's dysfunctional. <laughs> yes. Anyway, we can always try, but thank you so much for your kindness. And it's, it's just such a blessing. And it's, you know, it's so much easier to stand here and preach than to talk about myself, I must admit. But anyway... I've shared a bit of my testimony before, so I'm not going to say too much, but um, my home life was basically that my father was a full-on alcoholic and my mother was a full-on abstainer. She never drank at all, and, you know, that means war, and it was. Now, one Sunday morning when my twin sister and I were about four or five, um, my mother was at the end, of the end of her rope, and so, you know, what do you do back in those days when there's no support, no TV, TV wasn't around in those days? 
Well, Mum dropped us off at Sunday school and left us there for a couple of hours just to have a break. And my sister and I, we were shy, we were scared, little kids. We were miserable because of what was going on at home. We'd never been to Sunday school before. We didn't know anybody, but we liked it. And I would think like children's church here, the teachers were really nice. We must have done fun things. And so Sunday school became a regular thing. So when a young mum is falling apart and desperately needs a break from her kids, you know, it's just got to be God that plants that idea of dumping them in a Sunday school. Well, years went by, and mum kept dropping us off at that Presbyterian Sunday school. We never heard the gospel. We never had that opportunity to receive Jesus as our saviour, but we liked going to Sunday school. And then we moved to a small settlement called Tangwahini, out in the back blocks of nowhere. But the Salvation Army used to go out there every Sunday and run a Sunday school. And they preached the gospel, and so we got saved. Mm -hmm. And then many more years went by, and we moved again. And by now, I was a teenager, and I forgot all about being a Christian. I turned my back on God, and I did my own thing. But despite my wandering and not wanting to know God, God kept his hand on my life. And that basically is my testimony. God is faithful. And God's grace in our lives, you know, God's keeping grace. And, you know, I just say to to all of us parents, grandparents, just keep praying. We just keep praying for our kids because God's keeping grace is so real. But moving on, in my early 20s, I was studying in Dunedin. I was far from God but there was a part of me that was still searching. My life was going from bad to worse. But I had some Christian friends who I saw occasionally, and on one of those occasions, they took me into this new Christian bookshop, and they were so excited. The shop was opening, and there were all these bargains, and they were buying bargains, and they were urging me to buy something, and I grabbed this book without even looking at it because I just wanted to get out of there. I didn't want to be there. And so I bought this book and ran out, and of course I didn't read the book. Fast forward a couple of years, I failed an exam, got kicked out of my course, my boyfriend dumped me, and life wasn't worth living. I hitchhiked by myself, not the first time, back home to Toai, just north of Whangarei, Was I crazy, had no money, living in a different world to today? Actually, all of the above. And when I got home, I really hit rock bottom. And in my desperation, I read a Bible that I found at home. Well, hey, nobody else was reading it. (laughs) And as I read through all the four Gospels, It just hit me over and over what Jesus had done for me. And I just cried and cried and cried. And then I remembered my book. And I dug it out and I read it. And I prayed the prayer at the end and rededicated my life to God. And I just had a real encounter with God. And God's grace, his keeping grace has been on my life ever since. And I'm so thankful to God 
for his mercy, for his grace, his faithfulness. Well, three months after that, I moved to Auckland and went to Hillsborough Baptist Church because I had a friend who was going there. But then after a few years, like so many other people at that time, I moved to the Queen Street Assembly of God. And it was there in the West Youth prayer meeting that I got to know Tark. And then we went to Bible College and we started going out together. We got engaged. And as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> okay, all the wives identify. Well, shortly after we got married... Yep, okay. Shortly after we got married, we headed off to the Philippines for three years, and we actually thought it was going to be a whole lot longer. I'd always had this call to missions like Tark, but, you know, what happened wasn't quite what we had in mind. It turned out to be a really difficult time, and you've heard a lot about it from Tark over the years. Um, I think... For me, I had this very difficult pregnancy and things were going wrong. But then we ended up with Jody. And hey, our lives have been so blessed, so enriched, further enriched 14 years ago by the addition of Sam. And then more recently, Zach and Emma. And, you know, just love being a nana to those kids. They come and they trash my house, but we love them. <laughs> we love them to bits. We really do. Now, I know that Tark is going to... I clean it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. The whole house. The whole house. Tark is going to say more about our shared history, give you some cleaning tips, no doubt. <laughs> but I'm just going to take a few minutes to just talk about some of my perspectives about when we started out. Now, at the beginning, as you saw, it was just a little old church. But, you know, what a blessing to be basically handed on a plate, a little old church with a heap of land and a heap of car parks. Wow. And then one memorable day in the first few weeks, Sue McDonald and I had to do a big throw out. And we didn't ask anybody. We just did it, you know, and we just got to throw out whatever we felt like. And we just had so much fun. And all along, all along the front, it was sort of going the other way, there were all these pot plants with these faded red poinsettia plants, right? You get the picture? We threw them all out into the skip and we just laughed our heads off as we did it. And all these other monstrosities as well. And it was just so fun. I'll never forget that day. We felt so naughty, but it was fun. <laughs> Nobody knew. Right from the start, everyone was so warm and friendly, and that is something that has never changed. And, you know, when we have people giving those testimonies about conference, that's what you hear about. But I'll never forget the first time I got behind the pulpit, and it was communion. And then afterwards, I met a lady in the toilet. That's where you meet everybody. 
and she was a visitor, or at least she, maybe she came about three times, and boy, did she tell me off about everything that I had said wrong. And it was a long time before I ventured back into the pulpit after that. And then there was a time that I spoke, and afterwards I met this man outside, and he said, now, what were you going on about in there? <laughs> One of those people who say what other people only think. But by and large, Church Unlimited has been so kind and so encouraging. You know, sometimes we have visiting ministries and they come out and they see how many people they're speaking to and they're like, oh, but I always say no. Every, our people are so warm and friendly and accepting. Don't worry, it's absolutely fine. And I can honestly reassure them. Now, of course, in the last 30 years, I've had my ups and downs, some of them quite bad, but it's been more of a personal nature. Church Unlimited has been good to us. You guys have been so good to us and to Jody. You know, I hear about churches that judge pastors' families that have these expectations on their kids, and it sounds terrible, but we've never experienced any of that. Now, another thing, um, changing the subject, in the early days of running with fire, we didn't have all our techie guys, and I had to edit the radio program. <laughs> Truly, I did. Peter remembers because Peter and another guy called Scott and I think it was Scott and at Radio Rima gave us some training. Me and Kathy, Pastor Kathy was my go-to person, and I had this um, cool edit program, and I used to edit out all talks. <coughs> 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 And we had some fights over this. And then he'd say things like, Jonah went down into the belly's whale. <laughs> I still remember that all these years. I'm still traumatised about trying to fix that one up. <laughs> Praise God for our techie guys. <laughs> oh, dear. One of my highlights at church is seeing people saved. It's just fantastic. And I just you know, full-on believe that we should be praying when people are saved in the altar call. That's an important time. So look forward to the fulfillment of the prophetic words. And one thing, you know, this place is too small. I mean, years ago, God showed me that we're going to be bursting at the seams. Now, when I look back over the past 30 years, I'm just so grateful to God. A few days ago, I was reading Genesis 41 verse 16 in the NIV, um, I cannot do that, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And my little paraphrase, Joseph's, and I think Joseph's words just sum up, you know, what God has done. We cannot do it, but God can. And on Friday, both Tark and I were just thinking back, just both of us separately, about when we were in the Philippines, and he used to prepare um, a message for the seminars that we had there, and it was just despair, you know, like it took so long to prepare one message, and he used to say, oh, what if I had to prepare messages every week? <laughs> and now he just does that and so much more, but you see, it's God's grace, you know, we cannot do it, but God can, 
and all of us together, it's this journey together with you guys, step by step, ups and downs, but God is faithful and his grace is sufficient. So thanks, guys. Bless you. That's great. Pretty a lot of it wasn't true, but anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to share a good part of the journey, and so there's going to be slides and all these different things come up. But before I do, I just want to um, just acknowledge the, the massive role that Adrian has played in the helping us lead and run Church Unlimited together. You've heard most of it, but, uh, you know, firstly, she's been a faithful wife, and it's just so important. <laughs> Uh, in running a church. Sadly, not everyone has that privilege. Her prayers and the intercessors' letters uh, have been a real key to what God has done. Her preaching has been truly amazing. It still annoys me, the demand for her DVDs are always more than mine. I have to put a stop to that. She wrote both of my books uh, using my notes. Many of you may not have known that she's a great writer. Did those life groups stay. She ran support groups for the bereaved and for codependency as well often looks after the guest ministries when they come through, which is quite a job. Um, she's the mother of the house, the mother of the staff. She's helped so many people. <clears throat> and uh, she is uh, the most loved person in Church Unlimited, more than myself. So come on, let's put our hands together. <clears throat> I'm going to share in the next uh, little while uh, 12 lessons uh, in the journey of Church Unlimited, which really are the DNA of this church. So if you've got a pen and paper or iPhone or something, write them down. Important, I think, for all the campuses. So it's more than just the journey. It's, I think it, there's a lot more in it as well. As you know, my parents were from India, Hindu background. And what you may not have known is my grandfather and my dad, with my dad and uncle, came by boat to New Zealand to spy out the land. While they're there, my uncle, my dad's brother, dies of an illness, and he's buried in Whanganui at the age of 19. You can imagine the pain of my grandparents when dad goes back and says, I'm taking my wife and two daughters to New Zealand that had already claimed their only other son. They really did oppose it, but God moved in the hearts of Hindu parents because I had to be born in New Zealand to fulfill my destiny and to help turn this nation to Jesus. The first lesson I share with you is God has power to do anything needed for you to fulfill your destiny. He is all-powerful. I was raised in Simon Street in town in a fruit shop. I went to Grafton Primary, which closed down after I left. <coughs> there I was the captain of the first 15 rugby team. I don't fully recall, but I'm sure I was the hooker because of my massive neck and uh, my biceps. And uh, so there's a photo of me coming up there of early years there. I'm not sure how old I was then, but there you go. So I studied at Auckland University, to, uh, did two degrees there, law and commerce, and an on-fire Christian, just radical, he'd be going to be here tonight, uh, shared Christ with me probably for months, maybe for a couple of years, uh, before I finally gave my life to Christ. When I got saved, I have two great revelations. One is I'd found the truth, and it's great now that we are an arrow of truth, because that really was a revelation that... God gave me um, in my life. But the second revelation I got really early on, I don't know how it happened, just the hand of God upon me was that, you know, that 
the best thing I could do with my life is to just fully commit as much as I totally could my life to following this faith that I had found in uh, Jesus. And, um, you know, that I put all my energy into it. And I've never looked back. I've repeated that surrender many, many times. And the surrender is the gateway to God. And uh, a second lesson for us, I think, here at Church Unlimited is that for Christianity to work, you have to give it everything. You really have to be sold out. And when you are, you're going to see extraordinary and amazing things happen in your life as they have happened in mine. We attended the Queen Street Assembly of God, but the days of the charismatic revival, they were incredible days. We were saved literally into the fire of God. The hunger in those days was just so great. You would never miss church. There was a premium on getting into the front rows because people were hanging on every word of what God was saying, what God was doing. The presence of God was just amazing. And in those early years, God put two words in my spirit. I didn't even understand them as a new Christian. And the two words were, were harvest and nations. <laughs> and those words were so strong. As a probably a year old Christian, 18 months, I brought a map of the world, put it on my bedroom wall, and across the top I wrote the word to the world. 30 plus years later, that's exactly what I am doing. God fulfills his word. God fulfills that which he speaks to us. He is faithful to what he says. So lesson number three is build your life on divine revelation, not a copy of others. This is the DNA of Church Unlimited. We do not copy what others are doing. We hear from God. The question you need to ask yourself is what has God called you to do? Don't be a copy of anyone else because when you are, you are a unique creation of God. And when you are yourself, you will be at your best. And that is integrity. When Church Unlimited is what God calls it to be, that's when we're at our best. Not when we're trying to be what like another church or another conference or anything like that. We build on divine revelation. Because when you've got that, God is with you all the way. After I was saved uh, many years ago, no more did I have a girl on my arm, which I was so accustomed to having. I was now a very lonely heart. And it was really tough. You might laugh, but it was really tough. And uh, God used that season of loneliness and singleness. It's amazing what God will use, but he used it to bring me to great surrender. Because I hear I was thinking I may be single the rest of my life. I didn't know how this Christianity thing worked. And I was not accustomed to that kind of a lifestyle. And so again and again and again, I surrendered my life to Jesus. I said, Jesus, this is the way it's going to be. You know, I just give you my all. And uh, Lord, I'm not going to pursue the things of the world. I'll just pursue you and do the very best I can in serving you. And uh, so lesson number four is this, folks. Let trials take you to deeper surrender to God. Whatever you're facing today, would you let it take you to a deeper surrender? Because surrender is the gateway to God. And I think those five early years when I was alone, God did something deep in my life, a deep surrender, but I opened up a whole world of what it was like to walk with Jesus and to know Jesus and love Jesus. And in the DNA of Church Unlimited, I believe is that word surrender. You know, as, as we surrender to God as campuses, as individuals, we're going to see and continue to see the amazing and wonderful things that God has uh, planned and purposed in our lives. I ran a youth prayer meeting that Adrian mentioned in West Auckland. And in the corner of my eye, during one of those fervent, passionate times of prayer, I saw this brunette beauty. 
and my heart raced. <laughs> the chase was on. <laughs> Five lonely years, when we broke into small groups to pray, I positioned myself <laughs> to be in Adrian's group. Listen, singles, you need some Holy Spirit cunning and strategy if you're going to win the day. The thing that got me was when she prayed, and I thought to myself, seriously, to God that one day I can pray like her. That's what captured me, and that's what caught my eye. To cut a long short story short, Romeo prevailed, and we got married. <laughs> then we spent two years at Bible College, uh, Zion Bible Training Center in Mount Roskill. And uh, there's a picture, Adrian and I both went there, um, studying there in the, at, uh, at the Bible College. And uh, can I just give you a lesson number five here, is make sure you have a strong foundation in the Word of God. That's in the DNA of Church Unlimited, because I'm telling you, massive deception is on its way. And you've got to know what the Word of God says. You've got to understand Scripture. I want to encourage you, if you're not strong in God's Word, do something about it. Do a correspondence course. Do, get some books uh, that, uh, that talk about what the Bible is all about and, and get some strength in God's word because of where we're moving forward into the future. I believe that is just so very, very important. At Bible College, we were <clears throat> driving in my flash Ford Escort car and we were singing the song, Lord, Let the Fire from Heaven Fall. I parked my car at the side of the road to talk to another student who was following us and a drunk driver hit the petrol tank in my car went up in flames, literally. There it was. It was burnt out. It was a write-off. But I think the seeds of running with fire were born in the fire when the car went up in smoke. So it was, a, it was an interesting time, that. And um, I hope your campuses, you're all still with us, all right? Uh, listening in, no one's asleep. Just check the person next to you that they're watching the scene as well there. <clears throat> It was around about this time that one of the most um, life-defining moments for my life, and I believe for Church Unlimited, took place. Most of you know the story well. My dad was uh, diagnosed with a kidney condition with three months to live, and uh, I knew as he was heading to a lost eternity, and uh, They were desperate days. <laughs> and as many of you know, we prayed like we never prayed before. Fasted. Adrian joined us days on end. And uh, God began to move and 59 years I didn't do never darkened a church door, completely anti-Christian. And yet through prayer and fasting, my dad gave his life to Jesus Christ. This was a defining moment in my life because it's here in that trial and difficulty that I learned to pray. 
And that's when I learned to fast. And Church Unlimited now is built on prayer and fasting. You never know what God is going to use your trial for, but he's shaping your future. If you respond to him, God can do amazing things. Church Unlimited is built on prayer and fasting. For 30 years, we've fasted every Thursday, followed by a prayer meeting in the evening. We've had three-day fasts, 10-day fasts, 21-day fasts. We have staff prayer meetings 24-7, department prayer meetings, prayer groups. And what you're seeing today in global impact in over 100 nations is a result of much prayer. Mark eleven seventeen, we've sought to fulfill my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Lesson six is this, to fulfill God's call and see great fruit beyond your natural abilities, build your life on prayer and fasting. If you will do that, I'm telling you, you will excel way beyond your natural gifts and abilities. You will bring God in as a partner in your life, which is what I have done and Adrian have done. We have partnered with God and we excel way, way beyond the gifts and callings or giftings that God has placed in our lives. And if you will do that in the DNA of Church Unlimited is this call to prayer and fasting because you are called to do extraordinary things for God. And you are able and capable of doing it if you'll bring God on board with you. The date was set for us to go to the Philippines as missionaries. It was my great passion. The flights were booked. We're ready to go. And we got a call from the senior pastor, which was a shock. He never rang anybody. And he said, you can't go because there's a building program. We were so, so disappointed. Some months later, Adrian felt that now was the time. So I went back to see the pastor and he still said no. Then he called us back to his office and he said, as you sat in my office, I saw these words written over you. I saw in the spirit the word, the Philippines. And so we're going to send you, even though we're not sending any missionaries, we're going to send you out. And God just did an amazing thing, amazing thing to send us out. And lesson number seven is this, is you can trust God 100% to open the doors he has for you. We were not meant to go. Everything said no. The door's shut. The door's blocked. You know, the money's not there. There's a building. You cannot go. But nothing can stop the purposes of God for your life. If God's got a plan and a destiny, He can knock down any, any door. He can touch any heart. He can make a way for you as He made a way for us. You can trust Him. You don't have to bash the doors down. God is well able to open it for you. Revelation 3 verse 8, I've set before you an open door. No one can shut it. When we applied for the church here way back 30 years ago, there were three applications for the job, and I think we were last on the list of preference. I'm not sure the whole details, but we certainly were not the first choice. But in the end, we were appointed here to uh, be the pastors of what was, I can't remember even the name way back there, I think it was a West City Assembly of God. And uh, the reason that, that we got the job is because my name was written on it. Adrian and my name was written on the senior pastorate of this church, and no one else could touch it. No one else could take it. T.D. Jakes could have applied. They would have turned him down. Jensen Franklin would not have got it. Brian Houston would have been refused. And God said, no, Tark Barna and Adrian, he's my man. He's my woman. This is the calling I have in this place for them. <laughs> Philippines, as you know, were three very, very challenging years even though we were in the center of God's will. And you can be doing God's will, doing everything right, and still face serious storms. 
It doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. God is still with you. And so that, got some photos coming up for you there. There we go. That's us in the Philippines. And then the next one, Jody was born in the Philippines. And uh, it was uh, just such a great blessing. And there's one more I think of there. Anyway, that's in my office. Yeah, she was a student from those early days, preparing sermons. She was helping. I found it so hard. She had to help me. <clears throat> She's been the most amazing daughter, saved at the age of four, never wandered from the faith, never given Adrian or myself uh, any strife. And to this day, whenever she walks into the room, she lights up our lives. One of the greatest blessings uh, in our journey and has made, following, made serving and leading at Church Unlimited so easier when you've got a daughter that's just always been in line and a lover of God. She is an amazing girl. Well, after three years, we returned uh, to New Zealand for furlough. And while we're back on furlough, all ready to go back, all our gear, everything was left in the Philippines in Cebu City. We're offered a position at uh, the Queen Street Assembly of God to become associate pastors. The amazing thing is that we came back at a time when uh, they were looking for associate pastors. If we'd come back, you know how we were delayed for, I don't know, about six months. If we'd come back at the normal time uh, of our furlough, they would not have been looking for senior pastors. The pastor of that church had just been dismissed. They wouldn't have been looking back for more pastors. And we would have gone back to the Philippines and I don't think we would have survived because we were in no condition to go back. So God delayed us six months so that we'd come back at exactly the right time when they'd be looking for more pastors that would be our survival, really, and bring us to be pastors here at Church Unlimited. My lesson for you, number eight, is that timing of God is perfect. Extraordinary how he waited, delayed us six months to get us back here at exactly the right time. God knows what he is doing. He served four years at uh, Associate Pastors and took up the role here in 1988, the induction service. Ken Harrison was the one who prayed us in, and we took over a church. This photo there of about, uh, it, was, it started to grow very quickly, actually, but... Um, we started there, there was a church, approximately 100 people were taking over. The first Sunday we arrived, there's 194 people have turned up. It's virtually doubled in size before we've even done anything. It was amazing. And then we just had this explosive growth. And then the next day, it suddenly doubled again to about 400 people. And then within about two years, it doubled again, running at about 800 people on a Sunday morning. Uh, we had uh, two services in the morning. First, then went to three services in the morning, 8 a.m., 9.15, 11 a.m., then again at 6 p.m. It was just amazing. We were knocking down walls. We were buying new chairs. Uh, um, uh, we, you know, we just we were just really almost didn't know what we were doing. And I used to remember looking out on the congregation sometimes. And, you know, one week there's 200 people, the next week there's like 300. And I'm thinking, who are you? Where have you come from? And why? It just was unexplainable. What God did in those early days, it was just, I think, we, we had about 1,000 people on our books and there's still only two staff. Today they have about 20 for that many. It was just, because it was just, it just went so, so rapidly and so, so quickly. I want to say that in the campuses, would you listen please, in the DNA of Church Unlimited, 
is the power of God for the church to double in size or attendances to double very, very rapidly. And I believe it's going to happen again all across our campuses. We will double and we'll double again and we'll double again. God's just going to keep on doing this thing because He is an amazing God. It was just a fantastic time until the dark night of the soul in 1991 when we had three massive attacks, immorality, child abuse, and so much more, all in a three-month, six-month period. We're, in fact, on the front pages of the newspapers, negatively speaking about myself as the pastor of this church. It was a terrible time. We had a a public meeting, a members meeting. We had to have plainclothes policemen in there because of the uh, the infighting that was taking place. It was, you know, it was getting violent and it was a high risk meeting. And I remember just being absolutely stressed out to the max and somehow by the grace of God, uh, we got through that meeting, but it was in 1991, seriously, I thought we'd just about lost the whole thing. I was right at the edge of myself, right at the edge of a cliff, and I thought, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose this whole ship. It was an extraordinary, dark, and difficult, and painful time, one that we pray to God will never, ever happen again. But somehow, by the grace of God, we managed to get through. I don't know how we got through, but... We managed to get through, I guess, at the end of the day, God is greater than the devil. Lesson number nine is in the pursuit of God's call, the devil will throw everything at you to derail you. He will. He'll have, somewhere along there, he's going to have a go, take different shapes and sizes, but he will try and abort your calling. He'll try and destroy the, destroy the seeds of greatness in you before they bear fruit. Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Lesson number 10 is hang in there, never give up. Just hang in there. We could have given up. It was so rough. But we hung in there, and God was awesome. Takes me to 1993. This is a rapid-fire story, isn't it? When we had those amazing visitations of God, when the heavens were opened over my life in unusual, unusual ways. My relationship with God went to a whole new level. A lot of what you see today is a result of those three years of, of remarkable visitations of God. And, you know, the... Interesting thing is lesson number 11, the darkest hour often comes just before the dawning of a new day of great blessing. In 1991, the devil tried to destroy us. 1993, God turned the tables and poured in blessing into my life, our lives, into the church that we could barely imagine. Hard to think that just before the greatest days of my life, I know for sure, in those visitations, the enemy had thrown everything at us. It's almost like he says, I've got to stop this ship. I've got to stop this ministry because of the impact it's going to happen in the, have, have in the nation and in the nations of the world. But God is always one step ahead of the devil. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Zechariah 4 verse 6, not by might nor by power, by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to go quickly now. As we grew, we purchased church offices. One day I'm sitting in my office where I am right now, Brian Bailey, that prophet's with me. He looks out the window, he sees the three guys supermarket. He says, that's buildings for you. And I thought, what is it? Yeah, and he said, oh, and I only pay $400,000. The GV was 800000 We went to the auction, ended up paying $550,000. I thought, well, it's not too bad, not cheaper than that, but it wasn't the four hundred. Until the three guys owners approached us and said, we want out. They wanted out and we wanted in. And they said, if you let us go out and break the contract, we will pay you $150,000. 
For those who are not good at maths, 550 minus 150 is $400,000. This church is built on the voice of God. It's built on prophetic words. God can do anything. He is amazing, and you ain't seen nothing yet. Look at that. That's what it used to look like. Three guys. Okay. Did you see the one next there? That's Debbie Bryant and Gareth. Gareth Bryant, that is. Would you believe it? Good looking even back then, eh? While in Auditorium 2, we started a multi-million dollar program. I mean, today that would be worth probably $10 million plus million. And we just believe God to get us in there debt-free. And God was faithful. Church Unlimited has never had a debt, never had a mortgage. God provided all the finances. And uh, we moved in in 2001. You've got some construction photos coming up there. That was the early days. You've seen some of those that came through before. Just run through those guys. That'll be awesome. All right. 2001, the radio ministry. 2005, the television ministry. There's something new happening all the time. There's never a dull moment at Church Unlimited. And uh, New Zealand and beyond, Auckland, 2007. Christchurch, 2012. 2010, we changed our name to Church Unlimited. All right, campuses, get ready for this. The first campus, obviously, was at the West. There we go. That's us there. The next campus, I want to hear a big shout from the city, all right? There's a city campus coming up right there. There you go with uh, Katie there sharing away there. The next campus in 2015. Let's hear it from Kaitaia. Kaitaia. Yeah. Then it was in Whangarei. Let's hear it for Whangarei. Come on, Whangarei. Then uh, 2016, I think it was Tuvalu. There we go, Tuvalu. <laughs> then uh, Rotorua after that. And then uh, there we go, Rotorua. And uh, finally, Sydney. So I want to thank God for the amazing staff over 300 years. Great, 30 years, 30 years. Great, unified, supportive board, wonderful leaders in this place. Brings us to now as I conclude. I feel like Caleb who in latter years said in Joshua 14, 11, and 12, I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Both for going out, for coming in. That's how I feel. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke. I'm saying, Lord, give me this mountain of which you have spoken. Give me this nation. Give me revival. Give me the nations of the world. Give me this place is too small for us. Ten times growth in ten years. 50,000 in Church Unlimited on a Sunday across campuses. God, give me this mountain. One of the best prophecies I've ever been given has said, you'll be like Elijah, you will outrun the chariot. There is a second wind coming, it is here. Mark 4, 28. The earth yields fruit, uh, crops by itself, first to blade, then the head, then the full grain, full grain in the head. Three stages, we've seen the blade, we've seen the head, it's now the full grain in the head. The next decades will dwarf anything that God has done to date. We will see revival, we will see extraordinary fruitfulness. The trust arena will be filled, we'll have to move to a bigger venue. I am more ready now than ever before. I am energized, I am on fire, I'm full of faith, and I just need some Joshua and Caleb's to believe with me, to take this nation and to 
see the fulfillment of all the promises of God. Lesson 12. The best days are ahead of you and not behind you. That's true for every campus. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. God keeps the best wine, the Holy Spirit, until the last. We give God the thanks and the praise for what He has done, but He's going to do a whole lot more yet. I want to thank everybody in our campuses for joining us today. Adrian, I really hope and pray to see you again tonight. I have no idea what they're going to do, but I think it's going to be good as the 30 years of celebration continues. I want to hand back now to the campus pastors. God bless you all.